Hallå och välkommen till en ny episode av Pelkvarter med mig Lars Iversen i samarbete med Betsson. Vi ska ha en gäst igen så resten av episoden är er på engelsk men husk husk konkurrens. Det er konkurrens denna helgen lördag och söndag går igenom reglerna igen på slutet av episoden men husk konkurrens lördag och söndag vintur till London bli med. Okej. Okay. Right. With that out of the way, that must have been odd for you. I'm 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 joined by the chief football writer at the Independent and and Twitter firebrand Miguel Delaney. I think that is your official title. Yeah, l- l- less so these days. L- less so these days. I've no- I have noticed. Uh, are you just too busy? Is that what's I mean, going on? A little on? bit of that, yeah. A little bit of that as you realize the kind of folly of spending. I mean, it always becomes you're trying to explain things to people, but yeah, obviously it devolves. So uh, yeah, no, for sure. And I guess once you realize that muting is the way forward, yeah. then you know, descent <laughs> gradually dies down. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get you on specifically because I've had quite a lot of listeners in the last couple of weeks asking for a Mourinho pod, and I've done at least one where there's just forty minutes of me ranting about Mourinho, and I don't want to do that again. Uh, but I wanted you specifically because you've covered the last couple of sort of Mourinho death spirals, if we can call them that. The last couple of clubs Mourinho's been at where things have gone horribly wrong you've covered that in great detail you were all over those stories as i wanted to ask you in your humble opinion is is it happening again because for me we're seeing some of the signs but maybe not all of them is that fair yeah oh, i i think we're very much into that spiral now uh and the, i suppose the big question really is whether now that the process has started and as, as you say there's so many of the hallmarks there it's whether Mourinho could actually, for the first time in his career, get out of it. I mean, it's amazing how distinctive a pattern this is. Now, I, I did a piece in it last week, um, and it's interesting you mentioned about kind of, I suppose, me, me covering his last spirals. I almost feel like my my, my journalism career, it's like, when I, I basically started writing about football when Mourinho was at an absolute peak. The, yeah. the Champions League final in Madrid in 2010 was my second, but the first one I reported live on. Uh, and, like, and that was when Mourinho, like, you know, I was I, I was as, as enthralled with um, to him as anyone else at that point. He, he did, but of course, that was an absolute peak of his career. And it's all, so I've obviously covered him a a, a bit at Madrid because I did some of those games, but obviously not day to day because I was in London uh, or week to week. Um, but I did a lot of his big games there. Then I, I was on on his on the beat regular. I used to go to him every week at Chelsea, either his press conferences or games. Then Manchester United obviously covered a lot of games. Now it's Spurs. It's the same sort of thing at Manchester United. And it is just remarkable how these steps keep playing out. And I suppose it's all the more striking this time because the Manchester United experience was so glum for Mourinho. I mean, you could just see it. He wasn't enjoying it. And when he came back, he spent 11 months out of the game. It was December 2018 to November 2019, almost exactly 11 months. Uh, and, you know, in that... I went to the media day that first that first day back, uh, and he sat down with all the written press and all that. He was great company, you know. And you can see, again, he laid on the kind of Mourinho charm, and you can see what is what's so alluring for people and what initially made him such a, such a good manager. And of course, a key theme of that was they'd spent eleven months out of the game. He'd been re- researching, you know, various issues, what went wrong in Manchester United, made all these kind of pointed remarks like, you won't see Harry Kane as an auxiliary fullback. Even some of the phrasing, it was evident that he'd been kind of conscious of a lot of the criticism. And yet, despite that, it's amazing how it's actually happened even even more quickly at Spurs. And I do wonder whether, I mean, I suppose this this is a bit of a key point in in terms of the progress of his team and his performance and the exact question about how good 
this Spurs squad is. Now, we probably created a bit of an issue for himself. Mourinho's always been very good at expectation management, so that when when things go bad, he um, he, he manages to kind of absolve himself to, uh, to as far a degree as he can. And when things go well, he can paint himself as a miracle worker. Um, but it almost feels like he slipped a little bit in this regard because he went in talking about how Sp- this Spurs squad didn't need much surgery. Um, I, 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 from what I'm told, he basically told the squad themselves and told Levy he could win the league with this squad or maybe the squad and one or two additions, but certainly the yeah. the, the, gr- the group there. Um, now, I suppose there is some debate over whether this is a weaker squad than Manchester United or whatever. Certainly, Spurs are not as financially strong as Manchester United or Chelsea. But it's all just, all of this has happened in a, in a quicker time and it's, it's possible we won't even bar a little bit of a blast in October 2019 when they were playing really good stuff on the break that we won't even see the benefits of a Mourinho, Mourinho tenure if this continues. Yeah, because that's, that, that's what the next question I was going to put to you is that I do wonder if it was always going to be an issue at Spurs, regardless of what he said when he joined. It's, is it, relatively speaking, the weakest squad he's ever been in charge of, at least when you compare to the competition? You could argue United were in a worse state, I guess, but I'm not fully convinced they were actually in quite as bad a state as he wanted us to believe. Uh, this is certainly a job where it's completely inevitable that he's going to lose quite a few games. That was always going to happen. And is he actually like psychologically capable of leading a team through a really difficult period of losses without just starting to set fire to everything, which he seems to do whenever things go wrong? See, that feels the real issue doesn't it it's how he handles when things don't go his way yeah uh, and obviously like in his when when he was say i, I can't i can't believe i'm going to use this phrase but <laughs> a market leader as a manager but essentially someone who was at the forefront yeah. of all techniques and approaches which he was between like basically basically he was until guardiola got appointed at barcelona you know, he he was brilliant at setting things up that were successful. So, uh, I mean, the story of Mourinho's career is really, or sorry, the story of this latter part is how you adapt um, to to struggles, and it, it's something he hasn't done. I I do think there's a much of a muchness between this squad and the squad of Manchester United. Uh, let's not forget this is a squad that got to a Champions League final, had been repeatedly yeah. challenging under Mauricio Pochettino. Now, the the argument is always that Pochettino needed to change things then. I think that's true, but it's only true because of that kind of classic Alex Ferguson maxim that you know the most you can have, you can have with any with any squad is three to four years before you need significant changes. Be that either the manager or the players. Ferguson, of course, always got to change the players to make some drastic change. Spurs changed the manager, so so but by extension, it shouldn't have needed the same surgery. This should have been the jolts they required, and, and there have been times and it looked like that was possible. You know, let, let, I mean, one of the most remarkable things about this season is that there was a, there was a, at least a month where there was you know people were talking about whether Mourinho could win a title again. Um, yeah, I had to do an episode of this pod where we had to like seriously consider like <laughs> is this a real thing? Could this uh, work yeah. in this? And 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 I think the arguments are still sound that this has been a perfect season for teams who don't press high. It's been a perfect season for teams who don't have these sort of intricate attacking patterns because no one's at their best a lot of the time. So you know the, the it's been a season for the attrition. There's a reason West Ham are doing so well because David Moyes have set them up just to be really tight defensively and to hit people on the break, and that's worked tremendously well for them. This year yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and yet he's still i think through other aspects of his management that worked 15 years ago in a different kind of generation of football he's managed to corrode some of the potential good effect i mean already like 
I, again, tw- 12, 13, 14 years ago, top players were in awe of him. That's just not the case yeah. now. And while this squad isn't in anything like open rebellion, I mean, one, one, of the, one of the phrases someone used to me towards the end of Manchester United was that the majority of them despise him, which, I mean, yeah. which is a strong phrase. I don't think Spurs at that point, um, but basically the, the players aren't exactly in thrall. He is... It feels like those who are some way supportive are kind of dwindled by by the week. Um, and also, I suppose it's a little bit of a standoff because from, from what I'm told, um, the players, they, they they want to play in the League Cup final. And I suppose, I suppose if they start agitating or creating problems, that's going to be an issue. So that's why maybe it's all there's been an element of stasis about the situation as well, both from, from the point of view of the players, the squad, and also the hierarchy. Because so much rests in this League Cup final. I mean, I, I am I've kind of wavered on this a lot. I am increasingly of the view that they will make a change in the summer, just because I mean, there's no fans, and you can still tell the mood around Spurs supporters, uh, and, obvi- and obviously results are just not good. But if you if he wins the League Cup, and like it is one game, no matter how good Manchester City are, I mean, you can see how Levy could potentially paint it as a positive, as some sort of program. And also because Levy has been quite, I suppose he, it's, he's, it feels like he's more personally invested in this appointment than any previous one, precisely because, I mean, he's, he's on record on that, on that documentary saying Mourinho is one of the two best managers in the world at a time when literally no one in football thought that. And it does feel That was like bizarre. Is, exactly, yeah. It, it does feel like this was an, a little bit of a, a vanity appointment for, for Spurs. I know there's been a lot of theories about the exact appointment of making Spurs more box office and all that. But it does feel as if it's more attached to Levy in that way. And it's why, if there's any semblance of success, it could easily just go to a situation where, where he's kept on. But again, so much rests in that League Cup final. So it's interesting. There's a lot to unpack there, really. But you mentioned how things aren't working for him the same way they used to. And there's one thing I've noticed recently. It feels like in a huge, huge way like he's kind of lost the sort of mystique that he had, you know, because you mentioned you came on the scene right when he was at his peak. And I, I do remember once upon a time, like everything he said was poured over, like it was all the, the mind games of some kind of incredible genius. I saw a documentary on Sky where they'd brought in a behavioral psychologist explaining why like all the things Bruno did were so clever. And it, it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like that anymore. We had the Pogba quotes just now towards the end of the week when he said, about the whole Oligon Asolsha feeding his children debacle that Pogba saying we won the game he lost the game he doesn't want to speak about the game he wants to speak about the dad of someone that's what he does everyone knows him it's very Mourinho it's like you, you, you're not shocked anymore you're not really even taking it seriously anymore it's just oh look Jose said something daft again I think that's a big problem for him because a big part of what made him great was that he did have an aura. He, he did make players believe that if they just followed the dare leader and believed enough, then they would succeed. And that's how he got players to buy in. But how can you buy in when, when he's becoming this increasingly ludicrous character? That's it. I mean, I think it's impossible to escape that feeling. that like he's, it's, it's a bit of a caricature of what he was. And actually, w- Wilson did a good... Jonathan Wilson, I suppose, for... <laughs> we call him Wilson, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just friend of the show, Jonathan Wilson. He's been on a few times when yeah. I've literally, literally cornered him. And uh, <laughs> Moving on. But, but, he, but he did do a good piece where, I think it was either last week or the week before, about how maybe most most managers, most public figures, they kind of end up becoming characters themselves. And I think there is something in that just... And I've particularly seen this with Mourinho, and I've heard it's similar with Rafa Benitez, and it definitely happened with Wenger. Where as the game evolves, 
And obviously so much of their, I mean, I suppose we're getting into kind of real kind of psychological discussions here that go beyond football, but so much of their reputation and their ego is wrapped up in their successes and how they do things. So you can you can easily see how figures like this get into the mindset well of how well I'm going to keep proving them wrong I'm, I, and and it, that, that definitely like that was unmistakable with Wenger where he kept I mean it, you you can see it in so many games against Mourinho or Chelsea where he keep doing the same thing keep getting beaten and yet it was as if he wouldn't learn like he was trying mm. to stubbornly prove a point and you can see how a caricature develops then and it feels like Mourinho is a bit like that and it's almost like you get the sense sometimes where the the worse a reaction he gets from modern players then the, the the more he goes the other way and kind of hammers him even more, which you can kind of see in some of his public pronouncement at Spurs now, where he's talking about, like, he's not even just criticizing errors or performances. He's, like, questioning either the moral character or the overall quality of players. Like, they're just not good enough. Uh, Which isn't the most constructive criticism, because you're questioning their entire character. There's not a lot they can do to change that. Like, this is who I am, and this is who you're paid to be in charge of. Exactly, exactly. Um... And so, yeah, and I, I think just it just feels like for, for me that is, and again, this is me speculating, uh, but from but from kind of I suppose information from how his teams have worked and how he's worked, that he's trapped. No matter no matter how he's tried to kind of evolve his game, he's still trapped in his primary principles, which are about ten to fifteen years out of date now. Yeah, and it, one of the sort of great Mourinho proclamations that really come to mind with me when we think about this guy is after United had beaten Ajax in the Europa League final, when he sort of declared that, you know, in football, there are a lot of poets, but poets don't yeah. win many trophies. This is bullshit. Like, it's not true at all. Like, we've had we've had sort of Guardiola's Man City running away with everything in England, playing beautiful football. We've had Klopp's Liverpool playing really entertaining football and winning everything. So the sort of core principle of his approach to the game has been shown as being completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is clear. This is surely a problem for him. That's, that's exactly. And, I, and I, I do think this feeds into what we're saying here, I suppose. It, it, it does become about pride and proving people. And especially, I suppose, given the dynamics of some of these of some of these rivalries that he of course has fostered more than anyone else where he's he's stoked the rivalry for the purpose of his methods that's ended up blowing up in his face because the rivals end up completely outstripping him so then it's almost like proving he's successful or proving he can be successful against those methods becomes even more personal to him i mean again that's me speculating but it it does instinctively feel feel true and and yeah something i think a lot with Mourinho though and especially when you see it in some of his kind of narky or press conferences or when he's got like, you know, l- last week when he just, he's just not in good form. The, the great shame is, I mean, there's still like, there's still an absolutely brilliant football mind there. One, yeah. of most, one of the most memorable moments, and I've brought this up a few times, but it's always been so striking to me. It was the season he won the, his last title at Chelsea, 2014-15, when actually, if, if you talk to people behind the scenes at Chelsea, the problems became apparent within a few months, had already started that season. But he was obviously in good form, and it was the week Messi destroyed Bayern uh, in the Champions League semi-finals. And we just kind of, in his press comments, he was in one of those relaxed moods. We just got like into talking about it, having just a conversation with people there about football. And he was absolutely brilliant, just breaking down what makes Messi so special, how you stop him, the kind of concept of Messi as a player, like and for years after, anytime I was writing about Messi and his best, I would often I would often refer to these quotes, and like it's just it almost feels a pity that we don't see more of that Mourinho or that Mourinho hasn't kind of has sometimes become superseded. Is certainly in the public eye 
by something pettier, I suppose, and more wrapped yeah. up in himself. Yeah, because you also remember that period when he was between jobs now, and he did a bit of punditry, and he was amazing. Like he's an amazing pundit when he's yeah. in the studio talking about it. And you can tell he's incredibly good at identifying, you know, key tactical issues in a game and distilling them to a message that's really easy to digest. You can. He's one of those. Sometimes you see managers go on TV studios, and it doesn't really do them any favor because you don't just see this guy doesn't seem very bright. But with him, it was complete opposite. He was in the studio, and you can completely understand why he's able to to tell young men how to play football very effectively basically uh, and i and i i feel like a fool now because i i kind of talked myself into thinking that maybe he has changed when he did i don't know if you remember that big documentary he did with sky when they went back to his hometown in portugal and he yeah, talked yeah. about how much of a i'm a much you know much more rounded human being now and this is clearly him trying to talk him, himself into a job somewhere uh, and he was very very successful at that ultimately but i sort of i wanted to believe that he has had some sort of great conversion. Well, and, uh, that, I, I like, and I have to say, I was, when I came out of that press day with Mourinho in his first, his first day back with Spurs, I remember thinking the exact same. And like, and then, and then I went to the, to the West Ham game that weekend. It was quite an open, entertaining game. It was good. I think, Man, this, this could be a great story. Mourinho actually kind of, you know, a second resurgence. And yet, by, he was almost like by Christmas. So that's within a month, I remember, yeah. that year. He'd kind of fallen back into some of the same old issues. Some of the football was already and okay, you could give it a pass at that point because it was still early in the job. But then it just kind of continued. And then he had those two miserable games, and he actually won one of them. Uh one against Manchester City in January 2020, just before the pandemic. And then another against Liverpool that they lost. I'm just kind of like, oh, back to this. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess maybe we shouldn't be like Maybe we should be more understanding of why Levy has been so taken. It was seemingly, according to what we've seen, has been so taken in by him. Because as two people who, I mean, we only glimpse snippets and we're deeply skeptical of him. But even we were sort of taken in a little bit by like because he can be so incredibly charming. And like you say, there is clearly a brilliant football mind there. So maybe there's no no wonder that Levy who obviously spends a good bit of time with him and is exposed to this sort of incredibly charming side of him presumably more often has has a lot of belief in him or certainly did at one point yeah and I think I mean I suppose you you, you can see this from the documentary and it's I, it's something I've heard separately as well that he has well up, up until the last few weeks I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the case is now you know I've heard there's a little bit more tension at the moment obviously with results being as they are and fan response being as it is but I think he's been very good at managing upwards in that sense, and kind of yeah. including Levy in discussions, and uh, you know keeping him informed of all team decisions and things like that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's just important to g- get all this stuff in, so we're not being like so super negative. That's the frustrate. The reason Mourinho is so frustrating, I guess, is that it would be great if he sort of, you know, turned it all around. But it doesn't look like it's happening. Uh, can you can you see any way in which this changes can you see in any way in which this development can turn now i mean they could still i mean that their results this season against teams from the lower half of the league are actually decent and their fixture list between now and the end of the season isn't bad so so maybe just by what if they fluke the league cup final what if son has one of those runs of form that he has occasionally where he keeps banging them in from 25 yards for fun Maybe they can even sneak into the Champions League. I know mean, it's not very likely, but it could happen. Like, could it? Could it be turned around? Somehow? Um, I can't. I can't see. I mean, they're not, they are not that far off the top four. But 
as the Newcastle game show, it almost feels like the fixture list is irrelevant to them at the moment. Just things are that mm. bad. Maybe the League Cup can provide a spark. But as with Manchester United in, in, in that spell, it does feel like any temporary successes are just going to delay the inevitable because there are, there, there are wider forces at work, if you know what I mean. So I think, yeah, he can get, he can get big wins. He might even win a trophy now, but it just feels like, in terms of the kind of the the medium term future and crucially the progress of the club, this is only going one way. It might not be in the summer. There might be a bit of a uh, there might be a bit of an up, upward streak again, but like I, I I just can't see a situation where he's properly challenging for the title again, or, or the outlook for Spurs under him and the future is 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 that bright? Who knows? It might, maybe maybe he will prove us wrong and it will. To be this grand transformation, but yeah. right now I just don't see evidence of it. You, you hint at wider forces very briefly. The, the Harry Kane of it all is that part of the equation? Do you reckon? Um, well, I suppose it's almost like a, it's a referendum on the club in that sense, isn't it? I mean, I, like, yeah. I, this is something I was thinking about. It hasn't come up yet, really. But M- Mourinho, I don't think he's ever been in a situation before where a player has wanted to leave under him in that way. No, like Pogba. Okay, but Pogba was different because he was seen as kind of. It was it was separate to Mourinho. Even though Mourinho became such an issue with him, there was always that question of whether his time at Manchester United was temporary. Also, when you're a Rayola client, there's always that sense they're going to move on sooner or later. But with Kane, especially when he's a club legend, for him to for him to want to leave under Mourinho's watch, that feels like just another blow to Mourinho's ego in that sense. Um, and of course, it changes the complexion of Spurs. Whatever happens, you know, if he stays, obviously, you know. There's the, the, the so, the so much dependent on him because of who he is and what he does. If he leaves, um, what does that say about the club? What will they actually spend if he leaves? Uh, he, and he actually, sorry, the point of if he stays, I mean, will the fact he's wanted to leave create an issue? Will there always be that uncertainty? Um, the, 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 there's so much there. Yeah, quite quite a summer ahead. I mean, uh, maybe we'll have Kane going to Levy saying, "Listen, we got to get rid of this guy because this is no fun anymore." Uh, I mean, if, we'll, it feels we'll like see. if if there was one thing that it would take for Levy to make the decision in an instant, it feels like it would be that. Thank you very much for your time, Miguel. I've kept you a little bit longer than I said I would. I apologize. No problem, for that, no but great fun having you on. Bye. Excellent. Okay, that was Miguel Delaney from the Independent. Eh, som har följt Mourinho ganska tätt som ni känner. Eh, intressant liten prat där syns jag men vi måste snacka lite om konkurrensen helt på slutet av den episoden. Kan inte släppa dock för med med gå igenom detta för att kan alltså vinna en tur eh, till til London eh, för dig och en person eh, till att se fotbollskamp eh, med mig och eh, utan mig. Visst du vi väntar, visst du verkligen inte vill ha mig med så det helt grejt jag alltså. Det det dock det dockas premie. Um, Och för att undersöka att det är er inte som vi ska fly mitt i pandemin då det är er när det er tryckt och försvarligt och hålla på med såna ting igen men det är er lite kul då jag är er nog inte den enaste som sitter och kribblar lite så resa en annan plats nu efter detta år när det börjar öppna upp igen så ska jag märka det jag kanske vill på resa fort en annan plats och visst du sitter och följer samma då så kan du nog få så att första turen är er sponsrad och slett att Betsson betalar hela grejen för dig det är er i alla fall fly och hotell och kamplett det är er ju inte fel i det hela tatt så konkurrensen denna helgen lördag 17 april och söndag 18 april är er väldigt väl enkel du sätter upp en trippel 
eh på samma kupong, hvis du är er främmande för tripplar eh, fra från Betsson sitt oddsutvalg och spelar den med 50 kroner i insatsverken mer eller mindre. Du tar så en skärmdump, ett screenshot av kupongen, lägger ut bilder på Twitter eller Instagram eller i Facebookgruppen PL kvarterets konkurrens. Eh, du brukar då ämneknaggen hashtag PL kvarteret och tag Betsson på Twitter eller Instagram detta för att du ska finna alla dessa pengarna som vi kan ha lite översikt på detta här. Eh, och de som får in den trippel med högst eh, odds vinner tur till England rätt och rätt. Och som jag har sagt först som jag alltid säger, det kan bli en sån jallabong med sån mega odds. Men vet, vet du vad? Det kan nog bli mycket lägre än du tror. Du, du vet aldrig. Trippla är er enormt lunefulla som jag vet eh, bättre än de flesta. Så det är er bara att pröva och så se med hur det går. andra och tredje plats vinner och valfri fotbollsdräkt och alla ner till 10:e plats får lite oddsbonus och sånt så så ett gode tid där. Jag hoppas det blir med nå den helgen lördag och söndag och så hoppas jag med höras igen snart.